Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. never talked about have you listened to 444 oh oh jay-z's album yeah i haven't you know what's weird i haven't listened to it but i read i read the lyrics like i was reading someone's like poetry or something because everyone because of course you did well i just wanted the dirt you know i went to go see what he had to say (laughs) to see what he had to say about (laughs) solange and like if he was going to mention lemonade or anything like that so i read for the dirt not gonna lie so what what was your take on the dirt um, well, I actually liked – I, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know every one of Jay-Z's albums and songs, but I've, I've been a fan. Like, I like his music. But what I, I what I liked is how – I forget what the name of the song. I think it was 444 where he's basically saying like R.I.P. Jay-Z and I feel like he's saying goodbye to the Jay-Z of old and accepting the new, different, older mm-hmm. – father husband jay-z and i think that that's it's i mean hip-hop is so young like as a genre and you know these are he's one of the first rappers like really has gotten old and we've gotten to see him mm-hmm. see him become this version of himself and you know everyone else is like 22 and like 30 and people who were big in the 80s aren't really making that much music anymore um but i feel like he's showing you how to how to grow up gracefully i guess in hip-hop a little yeah. bit yeah that's he my... talked a little about credit. I was like, "Oh snap!" I he did. Said, I got a. <laughs> no, what? go ahead. I said, "Look at look at Jay talking about what did he say? You know what's more? You know what's better than spending money at uh, at strip clubs? Credit." I said, "Look at Jay Z. He's like, he said, I'm trying to give you something to the effect that I'm trying to give you a million dollar knowledge for nine ninety nine. I'm like, look at Jay Z. Don't try to come for the um FinCon crowd." <laughs> No, literally, <laughs> I must have gotten five pitches from our writers. I'm telling you, there aren't that many uh, personal finance writers of colors, but the ones that were out there were pitching Jay-Z <laughs> stories like the past few ah! weeks. <laughs> Financial lessons you can learn from Jay-Z's 444. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, Jay-Z is like, I mean, I mean, I don't know if he's written a book on entrepreneurship, but he should because, I mean, I think most of his wealth came from his business skills and not his music, right? Yep. From his music no, label right. to his to all the business deals he has to title, like I mean, that's one lesson you can take from him is how to diversify your own business so that you're bringing in mad income streams and you're not like you're not tied to any label for your for your wealth. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm really I I like the album. I mean, I listened to it and I was just like I, you know, what I like too is that he also had like these thing called footnotes. And I haven't watched them yet, but basically like kind of like commentary videos that 
that mirror that go along with some of the songs. So really just like talking about some of the songs and what they meant and not just him, but other, uh, like one of them, the song, uh, 444, I guess it's like his apology to Beyonce. And he does this video with like Chris Rock, Jesse Williams, all these black men of note and kind of talking about love and relationships. And I said, I'm going to watch it today, but I heard it was like really good because, you know, we, I feel like, you know, I'm realizing, I feel like we don't really hear from black men when it comes to this whole relationship talk. You know, there's always these think pieces on black men and women, black men, but I feel like I don't really hear too much from black men themselves. So Mm. I'm excited to listen to it. Okay. I might watch that. I didn't know that he did that too. Do you have to be a, see one reason I didn't listen is because I don't have title. Yeah, Um, me either. But you know, there's ways around that. I mean, don't judge me, but somebody, (laughs) I, 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 I I use someone's title. We'll just say that. Um, yeah, no, I, somebody had it on Facebook, the 44, like, I don't know what, you know, if it was allowed or whatever, but it was just posted on Facebook and I was like, Oh, let me save this. And I, I, I Facebook message it to myself so I can watch it tonight because it just looked interesting. I was just curious to hear what these men had to say without women in the room about relationships and how they felt about them, you know? Well, yeah. You know, speaking of pop culture, um, I will maybe not speaking of pop culture, but so this weekend uh, we went down to DC. We had a wedding in uh, South Jersey and we on, and then we also, um, my brother-in-law's girlfriend got us tickets or got tickets to the African-American History and Culture Museum that's in D.C., Ooh. the new one, which is really, really hard. I mean, tickets are free because it's part of the Smithsonian, but they're really hard to get. They sell out really yeah. fast. So I've had this on my calendar for months, and we finally went down there. And I, first of all, I it, we didn't even finish half the museum. It is so big. It is so packed with things to read, to see, and you really want to take your time. I spent it's basically the way the museum, I mean, it was incredible, but it was, it's split up into like a upper level and then a lower level. So you start down, you go down to like three levels below underground. And this is where it starts at the beginning of slavery. And it goes through the 1400s all the way to 2008. That's a lot of history. I spent three and a half hours just going through those bottom three levels and the emotional, like people were crying. They were, I mean, it wasn't like, I don't want to make it seem dramatic. People weren't like boohooing, like church crying. But I mean, it was, it was very somber because you're, you're I, I was learning a lot that I didn't know about slavery in the first place. And then, and then you're having your own experience and you can't help but see the, like the six-year-old little girl who's with her mom. And she's like, mommy, um, I feel like crying. And the mom's like, I feel like crying too. And the little girl said, mommy, was grandma, was grandma a slave? Was grandma here? And she's like pointing to, this was in the section of like the 1800s. Was grandma here? And, you know, I I found myself listening. It was fascinating to like listen to how parents were, were reacting to their kids and like how kids were reacting to it. You know, some kids didn't care. Some kids were like running around. Um, but it was just really, it was, it was just really intense. It was just, it's like you're walking around with your heart being squeezed at the same time. And you're, mm. you're seeing the shackles for small children and the shackles that were used for adults. And there was like, I've never seen a real, a, a real whip that was used um, oh on goodness. plantations. And, and then they have, I mean, it, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience, um, and it was heavy. At the end of it, actually, 
once you go through and you're out of the third level, they have this contemplative fountain, which is really okay. beautiful. It's a fountain and you can sit there and it's just meant to be a place where you can sort of like put – actually the, the docent or the woman who – they take you down an elevator at the beginning. You go down three levels and they have a docent in the elevator kind of preparing you for what you're about to go through. And they tell you at that point, the beginning, you know, at the end, go to the fountain, put some peace back in your heart before you continue. Cause you need that. You okay. need like, a, Oh wow. I love that. You need a hug. You need something. Um, and I, I felt like, I mean, I spent three and a half hours. I've never spent, I haven't spent that much time in a, in a museum. I can't even tell you how long. Um, and that was just a half of it. And then you finish, you get through like the history part. And then the top four levels of the museum, when you get back to the ground level, they have a modern art level. They have an amazing pop culture level where you go through the history of music and black music and black, uh, African-American cultures influence and all the different genres of music and um, media and entertainment. And I don't even know what the other two levels are because at that point I was just so – I was so wrought. I was so like emotionally drained and physically tired from doing the bottom levels that I said we're just going to have to come back later. I couldn't yeah. do the rest. Um, and we didn't, we unfortunately, you could probably do it in a whole day if you take a break, like go to, they have a nice cafe there. And I was like, if you, if we would have had time to go to the cafe for like an hour and re, re-energize, I could have done the rest of it. But um, okay. we just didn't have enough time. But that is one amazing place. I have to go. Yeah. You learn, and I just, I just, you know, I, I posted on, I know some of our listeners had seen my post on Instagram where I've been reading this book um, as part of my Mandy book club of one <laughs> called uh, <laughs> called Homegoing by um, uh, her last name is Gyasi. She's Ghanaian writer. Yeah, Gyasi. G-Y-A-S-I. Um, and this book Homegoing, it, it was a perfect book to read before you go to that museum because it's historical fiction and she sets it on the coast, on the Gold Coast, um, Western Africa and Ghana. And she takes you through the history of slavery but through uh fictional characters experiences so you start with two women um born at this born in ghana one is sold into slavery one marries a british officer um and then you learn you every chapter is one of their descendants going all the way up until modern Mm. day and it is like this book is so good it's so good and you i learned a lot about slavery that I didn't know and, and like the history I mean it just shows you the ripple effects and how long they've lasted I mean it's been centuries and how we're still being people today are still impacted by what happened 400 or 600 years ago um, the beginning of, of slavery uh, in Europe and how uh, and how not just America but all of Europe um, all the great nations of Europe have the bat have slaves to thank for their growth during this time, for all for, for their economic growth, for their wealth. Here's a, you know I learned the f- I I didn't know that um, Christopher Columbus landed in what is now Dominican Republic in Haiti and basically brought so much disease that all the indigenous people died, and he replaced them with slaves, and that's why there's so much African heritage. I didn't know that. Like, I learned all that from the museum. Ah. I didn't know Portugal was the, like really the the country that started the slave trade and was responsible for bringing more slaves than even the U.S. Um, from Africa. Like, it's just so. It's it's just not what you, it's not. It's everything you didn't learn in high school. 
you know, and everything you weren't mature enough to understand in high school. It's everything. Mm. And don't worry, they have an Oprah exhibit and they have a, (laughs) (laughs) the last, the last, I'll tell you what, like when you said you need like, you need to, um, you need like a a little bit of release after that. Toward the end of it, when you finally got to Obama and Oprah, people were swarming those exhibits. It was like everyone just needed like, okay, and we can like have a bit of, you know, yeah. I don't know why Oprah got such a huge. She has when you you'll if you go you'll see it's like Martin Luther King Jr.'s exhibit was really really tiny, which was kind of surprising. Um, but then Oprah, it's like the entire set they recreated the set. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, she did like finance half the museum or something like that. But she's um, like, yeah, you will you will get me at my set. She she they had the dress from her last show. It was it was funny, and they had Michelle Obama's dress from a. Uh, the night that Obama was uh, was first elected. It's a uh, anyway. I can go on and on, but definitely, definitely add it to your to do list if you ever, you know, go to DC. Speaking of adding things to, to your to do list, this is a, a random, but I went to the doctor today. Everybody should go. I mean, you guys probably go. I'm the worst. I'm not even gonna lie. I am the absolute worst with going to the doctor, and I don't know why. I just even when I was there, I was trying to figure out how I could leave. <laughs> um, so I went to, for real, I was like, oh wait, cause I could like, my, my appointment was at 1130 and I didn't get there till, um, 11, uh, 45. I said, oh, I'm kind of late anyway. Maybe I should just, I was like, Tiffany, get your mind. And then it was like, maybe like five people in the waiting room. I said, oh, it's going to be a while. I'm like, cause you have something to do after this. You don't. And I was like, oh God, to the guy now. And so. Was this I just went. a checkup or was it like a physical well, I want to well have a super, well, we want to have a super baby. So I was like, oh, I have to make sure that like, I mean, I've had like, I'm going to the regular doctor. That's like, oh, that's pretty easy. You know, I've done that. You know, I get my yearly physicals, but the gyno, for some reason, I don't know if it's just the weirdness of, hey, there's my vagina. You're looking in there, you know, if yeah. that's why, but you know, but so I went and I found out that I have fibroids. I did not know. Um, like, even though it's probably the only thing, and I don't want to say it runs in my family, but I'm not the only one in my family. So, um, but like, we don't, there's no, there's no history of like asthma or diabetes or whatever, you know, like when you check off the list, like there's none of that, but fibro tend seem to be like a semi reoccurring theme. I didn't know. And I always wondered why, like, you know, he said, didn't you wonder why you had this little, like, I always had a little pooch, nothing major. Like, if you see me, you might not even notice unless I was wearing, like, a like a really tight, like, shirt. And I always wondered. And I'm like, I just always thought, oh, I don't know. I got a little belly, you know? <laughs> and no, he was like that they're actually, I have three of them and they're kind of large. For those of you, let me let me pull out the definition. Because honestly, I, I wasn't fully... Um, clear on what um, fibroids were. Yeah, and it's um, fibroid with an F for people like yes. me who thought you were saying thyroid when you first heard it. Um, oh, yeah, because that's my list. My bad, guys. No, no, no. Um, it's yeah. just, you know, the interwebs. <laughs> so fibroids are non-cancerous tumors. I know you hear tumor. Ah! Um, that grow from the muscle layers of the womb. So that sounds scary. I'm like, yikes. Is that what that is? Um, so they can be the size of a bean to being as large as a melon. Um, and it said fibroids affect about 30% of women. Wow. I didn't know that by the age of 35 years old and, uh, 20 to 80% by the age of 50. Oh, okay. So basically as you get older, the, you know, the likelihood, hmm. um, you know, the likelihood of you getting fibroids grows. So typically you kind of know 
that you have fibroids because you get like really this is how my other family member knew because she was getting really bad cramps she had heavy like heavy um periods and i sorry jerome i know you're like really yes i said period um and so but I, I wasn't getting any of that. Like, I have normal periods. I don't, I get cramps, but nothing crazy. You know, I, I, you know, I can usually opt in or out of taking like, like an Advil or whatever. So I didn't know because I wasn't exhibiting other than like this little belly that I just assumed, well, you know, that's my ice cream habit. I didn't know that, that there was any, especially for them to be that large. They're like, you don't get any discomfort. I'm like, my periods are normal. They're five days. I don't, like I said, I don't get, I, I might, I cramp maybe the first day a little bit. And even then, if it's not that bad, I don't take anything. And, and you know, I have a normal flow basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, so now the decision is the thing is with fibroids is that you, you can decide to get rid of them, but there's a risk. Like if you want to have kids, you know, there's a risk of taking them out. And so this is what I have to decide. Do I try to have kids anyway? And, but then if they're really large, because they grow like on the like uterus or whatever, they can actually uh, they'll take up space where the baby would grow. Hmm. So you run you know you run the risk of there literally not being enough space, um, and then miscarriages and all the other kind of stuff. But then also too, you can have them removed, but then you also run the risk of something happening and then you not being able to have kids. So I'm just sort of trying to like I have to I want to meet with a number of um, the doctor that I met with today was like oh no you gotta get rid of them and I'm like hold up. Second opinion. Yes, because I'm like, honestly, women have kids with um, fibroids, you know, like, or, yeah, so it's it's not, and so I've had doctors say that too, so I want to, I want to honestly speak with a woman doctor who this is her specialty, because I don't want to rush in and get something done, and then I, you know, I, I take away the chance of me being able to have children, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so it's just something. So if you have fiber, honestly, I'm really interested because I know, especially in our community, the brown ambition community, um, fibroids run a little bit higher for women of color. And uh, I'm sure a large number of you are, are dealing with fibroids. I've heard, I've read a lot about changing your diet and they can actually shrink them by changing your diet. Um, a friend of mine, you know, she cut out all her sugar and she saw her shrink. Interesting. Um, How did they find them? Yeah. Is that during the physical exam? Like with their hands, they can feel it, or did you have to get like a scan or something ultrasound? Yeah, so he he actually ordered an ultrasound for me so he could see better. But yeah, just like through the like digging all on in there, he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> First of all, you, you have know? a male gyno. Kudos to you. I I've never I been have, able to deal honestly, with a male. I was like, can't do it because well, it was recommended, I, and I didn't even ask. Like I asked a friend of mine, "Who's your gyno? I need to get my life together." And she was like, "Oh, doctor, whatever." I didn't even I didn't know it was a male. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, "Wait, who are you?" Ah, damn. <laughs> Before. Oh, he you're already in the really room. Nice. What? And then, and then he did like the breast exam. I'm like, what is happening? It was so weird. I was just looking up at the ceiling, like, ah, being molested. Um, but it was good, you know. Like, <laughs> but not. But yes. But it was good to just, you know, get all of that done. And aside from that, you know, he's like, you're perfectly healthy. Blah blah blah. But it definitely was like, yikes. So now I really. That's why I said I, I want a, a, a an opinion from a woman especially a woman doctor who deals with this on a regular basis, because I, you know, he was just very quick to be like, Oh, we got to take care of them. Got to get rid of them. And I'm like, hold up. Like, I'm sure there are other, there's other options because I don't, I'm going to eventually, the thing is, I know eventually I want to get rid of them, but before or after childbirth, that's the question. 
Mm. And so I'm really wanting to explore that. So for those of you who are listening, like I said, I definitely have read a lot about changing diets and being able to to reduce your fibroids as a result of that. If you're someone who knows anything about that, please tweet me at the budget Nisa and just, you know, if you have a link or anything, cause I'm definitely like gathering as much information as possible. So when I make my next appointment with a doctor that I could talk about what, what are my options? Um, Superman is like, we could always adopt. I'm like, we could, I don't know. I don't think you're, I mean, you still have some, you, you still haven't, you don't know that this is going to like prevent you from, you know, having, having kids, having exactly. kids, but. So I'm just like, yeah, it's just like as you get older, you start to realize, wow. And it's so crazy because like my one of the reasons why I honestly I wasn't going to doctor as much is because my insurance like it lapsed. I didn't even realize because they were taking the money automatically out of my account and I wasn't keeping up. And then months later, I was it was like, oh, you know, you haven't made a payment. Your insurance is canceled. I'm like, I made a payment. I don't make payments. You guys take the money. And it was always something. And then it so. It's weird. It lapsed right before I got married. So I was kind of like, whatever. And so, because I'm like, I'm getting married. He's got, Superman's got awesome insurance. I'll just be on his. But there's a 30-day period where I'm uninsured right now, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so, because from not having it to when, when it like when it kicks in with him. And so I paid out of pocket to the guy. No, it was like $150 um, cash. He was like, yeah, cash. Um, and so, you know, it, it had me thinking to myself, wow, like, what if... You know, what if I didn't have insurance? Like, what would I do? Like, what do you do now when you find out that you need the next step, next level, and you don't have insurance, you know? Well, it's a good thing that we got the Republicans in office because they're going to be yanking away coverage for preventative female care any day now. And I was thinking that, honestly, as I was in there, I was thinking that. I said, so what happens if just regular Schmegler Tiffany and I didn't, you know, I didn't even realize my insurance collapsed and it did. And I'm like, wait a minute, something's wrong. What do I do? Because when I was in college, Planned Parenthood was bae. Okay, because I wasn't trying to tell my mother I was getting it in, right? And so, like, take me to the doctor. So I used to go to Planned Parenthood and, you know, and, and, like, just to, like, make sure I was okay. That's why I went. I went there for if I wanted, like, a... A test I went there for if something was wrong that I just I went there for all of my female like woman issues and problems and mm-hmm. so I just can't imagine you know what and it was like I remember I used to pay out of pocket sometimes $25 they would ask me well how much do you make when I was you know when I was really really young I paid nothing and as I had made a little bit more I might pay $25 $30 and so it just you don't realize the importance of places like that you know, until like you need them. And it's scary to think that young girls might not, and not even just young girls, women in general might not have access to services like that, you know? And I think even if you have insurance, like I have, I've always been fortunate enough to work for companies where I had insurance um, or was on my parents' healthcare in college and after. But even then I would have insurance and I wouldn't take full advantage of it. And I think preventative care is so important. And we, women tend, we tend to put ourselves a little bit last on the list when it comes to scheduling our needs, especially if you have kids. Like, I mean, my mom is proof of this. Like she would schedule all our appointments and then she wouldn't schedule hers. And that's, you just can't, you have to add yourself to the priority list and make sure that you're getting your, your checkups, um, Mm-hmm. I mean, my gyno is actually really good about she doesn't wait for me to make an appointment. She's like, oh, you're due. Come, come. Um, so I don't right. have to remember that. And, you know, I should have been I should have been. Go- but not just gyne- gynecology is important, too. But just like your regular physical, like finding a good doctor who will who will help you stay on top of that. 
I'm the kind of person who I'm like, I don't really feel well. I don't want to go to the doctor. I put on some weight. I don't want them to know that I put on weight. So I'm just going to wait till I lose 10 pounds and maybe, (laughs) and that's so stupid. It's so irrational. It is so dumb. I promise myself I'm not going to, you know, continue doing that because I've got, I just know my family history and there's just too much, there's too much interesting stuff in my family for me to, you know, feel like I can just go without going to the doctor. I don't want to get caught. In a situation you know so where I've waited too long. When I, when I had to step on the scale, I was already ready to apologize. Like, so, you know, I, it's, I just got mad. And I was like, she doesn't know you, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, I just got married. I had a big lunch today. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, didn't we take off my shoes? She looked yeah. at me like, girl. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this sweater is kind of heavy. I'll take this off, too. I'm wearing a scarf. Hold on, these earrings. These are my big earrings. I know. <laughs> she was like, honey, just get on the scale. I was like, meanwhile, I was wearing like flip flops. I was like, she's looking to be like, I don't think those are going to add any weight. And I was like, but surprisingly, I actually lost a little weight, I guess, from like, I don't know, the stress of like the, the planning, the non wedding. <laughs> but stress, like, the I was best like, diet ever. <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, that's good. Like, yeah, I probably lost like two pounds, but you know what? That could just, you know how that goes day to day. So, but yeah, but ultimately, you know, the lesson for me was like, uh, you're, you need to get regular. I mean, like I said, I go to my regular doctor and I, I get those. But, you know, as far as my, what I call my down there doctor, I've been slacking. Let's and make this the gyno visit episode where everyone, if you're listening, let's all like make a pack to call our gynos today and make a, make a physical appointment or something like that. Or like a checkup if you haven't had one in a while. You, you too, Jerome. You too. Go get, go get your go get prostate. Your yeah, you got stuff. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. we talked about vaginas and toothaches it's time to break and boost <laughs> brown break brown boost when i got a good brown break i got a read brown break okay mm. Are you ready? i'm ready <laughs> all right so my brown break did i talk about this last week when people were asking if i was pregnant i did um did- you you mentioned it to me but we didn't talk about it i wasn't recording my brown break is to not ask women unless they are in the delivery room and the baby is crowning if they're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so so the way my dress was cut for my for my um wedding, my non-wedding, um, people were like, ooh, t-, like we're literally just straight congratulating me. Oh my god, congratulations. I'm like, well, oh, I'm thinking like, oh. <laughs> You're I'm kidding. like, oh, thanks on the wedding. No, no, not the wedding. The the apparent baby. And I was like, but I'm not going to lie. My, when I say 
for whatever reason on that day, I guess, I don't know if it was nerves. Like I was so bloated. My stomach was like, I looked three months pregnant. Like I, as far as like, without the dress, my, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I took my doll. I took my Atlanta. I guess it was just nerves. So I was like a ball of gas of like, you know, not passing gas, just tight belly gas. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, (laughs) but people all like, not, not people who knew me obviously, but people like all over social media were like, Oh my gosh, congrats on the baby and the man. I'm like the baby. What? And I thought, first I thought, are they, is this a joke? And then people started texting me and then Facebook messaging me and then writing under all my pictures. Like, just get, you think she's pregnant? I'm like, I can hear you. I can read, I, I can read. Like talking about me, like I'm not there. And I was like, wow. So finally I had to do a big red bold Facebook message to say, I am not pregnant. Please stop asking me because it's rude. It is rude. I wasn't pregnant. I was gassy and the dress was cut in a certain way that maybe if I wasn't gassy, it wouldn't have looked uh, pregnant, but I wasn't. And I just, at first I thought it was funny. And then I got irritated because a number of people kept asking. And I was like, dang, we're not even cool like that. Like, (laughs) I feel like I just saw Brandy post about this. So are you basically having a celebrity problem? Because I feel like people lose touch with the reality when they feel like they know you, but you're a celebrity and they feel like they can talk about you. This happens. People just like if you are like have a certain public image or public presence, people feel like there's not a problem with them outwardly talking about your love life, your body, whatever. Like, I mean, Brandy just posted about this asking people to stop asking her if she was pregnant because she's just put on some happy weight. Um, yes people i mean i guess but i'm like it is rude like like yeah that's rude but i'm also sitting here like oh shit i did that once (laughs) i mean but i didn't i asked if i didn't ask you know i wasn't like oh my god congrats i just asked and i shouldn't have asked um i felt like an asshole afterward nope sure wasn't oh dang (laughs) but it was a good enough friend where we could laugh it off thank god but uh yes well, to me, if we're friends, you know, that I don't mind that. But if we're, like, acquaintances, like, if we don't talk on the phone at least once a year, <laughs> like, I mean, ma'am, you're not allowed to text me and ask me. Like, you know, sir, you're not allowed to hit me up in my inbox. So are you pregnant? I mean, I don't literally, hello, your name is? My name is Tiffany. Like, people like that were hitting me up personally. Like, hey, girl. I'm like, I'm sorry. Are, are we? Are we? Are we friends? And I just thought that that was so weird because I'm like, you know, I get it. Like, I mean, I'm not saying speculating because that's natural because Lord knows I've done it. But to open your mouth to ask someone that you don't know, is it is rude, especially when the answer is no. And you're like, great. So my belly bumping like what? You know, but I mean, and at the end of the day, I thought it was kind of funny. But, you know, I just that's my brown uh, break. It's like, please stop asking women if they're pregnant unless you're like in a delivery room with them because. One time, a friend of mine asked, was it you? No, no. It was a, somebody told me that the story that a woman was picking up boxes and she had a big belly. And she's like, oh my God, I got it. I got it. You know, I don't want you to strain the baby. The lady oh, was like, no, what baby? That was not me. Yeah. <laughs> not she's like, what bad. baby? And she looked at her like, the, the baby in your, the, and the lady looked at her like, well, now you can just pick up the boxes. <laughs> Yo, she said, I don't want you to strain the baby. She's like, but her stomach was huge. I'm like, that is really embarrassing. Because she knows she has a big belly. And now you know she has a big belly. And both of y'all know there's no baby in that belly. So now we're here awkwardly looking at each other. <laughs> so yeah, breaking from that, please. What about you? Are you going to brown break or brown boost? 
I'm going to do a, well, I want to do a break and a boost because I read yet another headline that said that half of Americans don't take all their paid vacation. I need to know who you are. I need your name. I need to send you a personal message telling you to take a vacation. So I'm going to do a break for actually using your paid time off. I don't, I don't know. I think it was my mom who just taught me the value of actually, she like taught me I have this many PTO days and I'm going to make sure I take them on by the end of the year. And if she hadn't used them, she'd find an excuse to use them. She'd take like a mental health day or go get her nails done someday. It's so like your company, that's like, that's almost like just leaving money on the table because they're paying you to not work like free money that doesn't require any work. Um, yeah. and, and people don't even get that much PTO off. So I don't know why you wouldn't use the little, the little bit of time that you have. Um, so if you haven't been planning, you don't have, maybe it's because they don't want to like spend the money, um, to take a vacation, but you don't have to take a vacation. Go anywhere. Yeah. You can just take a day and just do something that you like to do. Um, you know, if the kids just to send this, send this kids to school like normal and just have a day by yourself sitting in quietly on a couch, if you'd like to which is what my mommy friends say they would just wish they could do um, every once in a while, just like have some quiet time. I, I don't, I don't understand why we don't, why we don't take our days. I, I think people, a lot of people are afraid to, to take days, like almost like you're going to get in trouble or people are going to look at you like gone again. You know, I don't I, know. I'm more worried when people don't take time off. Like we just hired someone, for example, and, um, and, it was a question of when she was going to start. And I said, well, she just left a job she's been at for four years. She probably wants to take a week off. And then someone said, well, I haven't taken a day off ever between jobs. And I'm like, well, I have, and I think it's important. And I don't want her starting if she hasn't had at least a week off to like recalibrate and take, you know, take a deep breath and you're starting a new job. It's a big deal. Um, I think that's, and in every job I've, every time I've switched jobs, somehow I've negotiated that I have two weeks off in between before when I left Business Insider to go to Yahoo, I had two weeks off and I went to Turkey. When I left Yahoo before and joining Magnify, I worked it out so I had two and a half weeks off. Um, and I didn't even go anywhere. I literally just had two weeks off to breathe, to like enjoy yeah. the city, to read. I read, went to parks and read on park benches, which was cost no money at all. Um, and it was just it. I just needed it for my for my own like personal health. I don't do well when I'm like jerking between one big thing to the next big thing and back and forth. I just, I know, I know I'm going to crash. So I, I do that. I think, and if you're not doing that, maybe people don't know that they can, like when you're negotiating a new offer, you can pad, you can ask for a time off. I don't, I haven't had anyone tell me no. And I mean, I think in some careers more than others, you feel like, well, I'm competing with everyone else and, you know, they really reward you if you're in the office at all hours of the night and you never take time off and whatever. But I feel like that mentality is even is shifting, don't you? I mean, all those stories of like bankers, like committing suicide um, after the recession and like these interns who work for big banks um, committing suicide or passing out because they're working around the clock. I think mm. – there's been more of a push for managers to recognize that humans are humans. We have lives and we need, we need to do some self-care every once in a while. Cause it doesn't, at the end of the day, like, do you want to look happy or do you want to be happy? You know, because I get it. Like I, I was, I was talking to my best friend today, my other best friend, Linda, and we were just talking about that. Like this look of happiness is like killing people, you know? 
because Absolutely. everyone social media is it's it's hard because I, I remember when I first came on and I was so confused this is before I knew that people could like make things up but I would see friends that I knew and I'm like but that's not real like I would be like she's not really on vacation or she don't have no money and it took me a while to realize that people were making up their lives on social media because I was kind of late to the game and I would really think to myself well how was he in France like he doesn't have any money or he, you know, like just really knowing people in real life and it not equating to what I was seeing on social media. And then I realized, oh, people just kind of create these lives and just show. It's one thing to be like, look, I don't want to show the negativity. I'm just going to show good things of what's actually happening. But now people are just straight, literally just making things up. <laughs> you know, it, it is <laughs> like having a great time at such and such. Meanwhile, they're like, I hate this club. I hate this. Party. I mean, a little bow wowing. Like, well, Yes, little bow wow. <laughs> he got caught on that commercial flight right. posting about a right. private plane. What? Why mm. private jets out here? People are like, wait, is this isn't this bow wow? <laughs> yeah. So That's you don't want to do that. And I get it. Cause you know what it is? I get it because you really even though the adult in you knows that people make stuff up, something in you says, Well, maybe why is everyone's life going better than mine? You know? And That's, that's just yeah. not true. Yeah. Well, this this most recent report on um, on people who are not taking their vacation day, it's, it's by Glassdoor. And then they asked people, well, why aren't you taking your vacation days? It turns out, um, for the most part, 37% of people said that they were afraid that they would get behind on work. And another 30% thought that no one else could do their job if they were to take time off. 20% said um, it's harder to take time off because they're in a senior position um, and Another 20% said that they wanted to show they were really dedicated to their job. Um, mm. Let's unpack a couple of these. So I feel like I'm definitely guilty. I think because I work at a startup before it was when I – let me tell you. What was – my when I was planning my wedding, what was stressful wasn't the wedding planning. It was doing the work of myself for three weeks so I could take time off from my honeymoon and to do the act like the week of the wedding. That was what killed me. And I get it. I know what it is when you don't, you're at a small company, there's not someone who can do your job and you feel like you're, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I sort of worked super hard so I can take that time off because it was important to me and I didn't want to give that up. Um, and recently we hired someone to help me so that I have someone now and it's just such a relief. I have someone now who I could trust to take over when I'm gone and I don't feel like I have to do the work, like do my work ahead of time so that I can take time off. Um, and I was in a position where um, I could ask and get that, get that help. And maybe if you feel like there's no one who can do your job but you, um, maybe it's time to ask for help or tell your higher ups that you're overwhelmed to the point where you can't take time off. It's not in their benefit to have an employee who's run down stressed and overwhelmed it's not in anyone's interest um and I think it's I, I think maybe part of the issue is that people don't feel like it's in their power or that they have the right to to speak up and express that they need help sometimes yeah yeah I think so too I think that I think a lot of people are just afraid people don't want to admit that they're vulnerable or something's not right you know I mean, I don't, 
is everyone just better at faking it than me? Because when I'm stressed out, you're going to like, everyone knows I'm so bad. I have no poker face. I have no chill. <laughs> I am a hot, like I am running around. The t- Today I left my wallet in the damn uh, freight elevator room where I was t- taking a phone call because I was running around. I forgot I had a phone call and I had to take it in the elevator room and left my wallet in there. Like I show signs of stress. <laughs> like I show signs of unraveling. And, you know, that's when, you know, Mandy probably needs a break. Um, I, I feel fortunate to work in an environment where I think, um, um, it's not frowned upon to, to say you need help, but Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what's, what's, what is frowned upon is saying you need help and not having a solution or not knowing who you can go to for help. Just sitting there with like throwing your hands up in the air and saying, well, I'm stressed. Um, I can't Mm -hmm. do this. I'm just having a bad day. I'm just, I just need a day off because I just can't deal. Um, that's not okay. I think if you say here's what I'm doing that's taking up more of my time and I don't have time to do X, Y, Z, which actually is my real job. Here's what I'm doing and here's how we can find someone to help or here's how we can replace replace some of my tasks and give it to this or give it to this person um, or or use this new system that, that helps me do my job more efficiently. That I think employers um, respect and are more like – are more willing to um, be receptive to than just someone who's seen as like just complaining, you know? So we have some, a good question today. Um, If you guys have questions, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to brownambitionpodcast.com and click on the Ask Us Anything tab to submit your question. Uh, we take one, at least a one question every episode. And remember our last episode, we said that soon we'll be doing a student loan, entirely student loan dedicated episode. So if you have questions about student debt, how to pay it down, how to refinance, how to get enrolled in income-based repayment, Submit your questions now, and we will let you know ASAP when you can expect that student loan dedicated episode in the future. Today's question comes from someone who uh, understandably would like to remain anonymous, but I think this one is interesting. She says, or he says, or he he says, because I can speak English tonight, that I know I'm going to get laid off in five weeks. I'll know I'll be getting six months severance worth about $39,000. And I have a little over $1,000 in savings. I have $19,000 in credit card debt. And I took out a loan against my 401k worth $19,000 that I'm paying back through my biweekly paycheck. Um, Any advice on how I can financially prepare for this? Yikes. Um, Yikes. One thing that struck me about this question is that she took out a loan against her 401k. Um. That is something that's okay to do when you are working. You can take out a loan against your 401k if you're employed currently. Um, and uh, it's actually not the worst thing to do if you need money because you're gonna be pay you're gonna be paying yourself back. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like you're paying like it's not like you're never gonna see that money again, you'll pay yourself back. However, if you lose your job or quit, that loan te- typically becomes due immediately. So in five weeks when she gets laid off, that's my initial concern is that loan's going to come due and how is she going to pay it back? Yeah. I have a feeling that severance is going to be bye-bye just on that 401k loan alone. She said that's $19,000. Her severance is about $39,000. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I thought nineteen thousand was her credit card debt. Nineteen thousand, she says, is her credit card debt, and she also took out nineteen thousand dollars in her four hundred one k. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's why I I typically like advise against taking out money from your four hundred one k. Uh, but I mean, so that's done. But it sounds like to me, this is what I probably would do. I probably would pay back the four hundred one k. But what I would do when I lost my job and I knew it was coming, I actually um transferred my credit cards to um because I had a really good credit to like zero percent interest credit cards, like balance transfer. Mm-hmm. Um for like, I think it was up to two years, most of the car, because I had great credit. So that way I had kind of like two years to pay down this debt without interest. Um, that's one of the things I did, that that might be an option. That Balance to, transfer to help. is a great idea. You know, people don't really know, and I don't blame them because I don't feel like I even really grasped the concept of balance transfers until a couple of years ago. It was just that thing you get in the mail, the balance transfer checks. You're like, what are these? These look like, you know, whatever, I'm going to shred these. But we should talk about balance transfers because it is such an easy way to consolidate. Not, I mean, easy if you have good credit. A easy, simple, like no-brainer way to consolidate credit card debt and buy yourself some time where you're not getting drowned in interest payments for sure. Mm-hmm. We just did this with um. Well, we're, we paid off credit cards, but um, you know, one of the things we've we've worked on as a couple is what about his credit card debt. And do we just pay it off even though we have the savings? And it's something that he wanted to do is just, I want to pay down my credit card debt. It's my debt. I want to pay it off. Um, but it wasn't like a ton of debt. It was about, I don't know, $2,500. But it was on a credit card that had like a 16%, 17% interest rate. So we actually, um, before the wedding, did a balance transfer. And there's um, the card itself was called the Barclay Card MasterCard Um that's out right now. They have a, I think it's an 18 month, 0% interest free period on balance transfers. And the best part is there's no fees. That's one of the things that people always have to weigh when you're doing a balance transfer. Sometimes they Mm -hmm. charge like 3% fee or some sort of minimum fee. And so this offer is amazing and I can, I'll post a link and we don't have any affiliation with Barclay card at Brown Ambition. I'm just telling you, this is what we did. So definitely compare offers that are out there, but we chose it because it was 0%, no fees. It took less than a week, and that debt's gone, and it's great. Yeah, and honestly, like, I, I can't remember where I found my card, but I tell people, honestly, I mean, not to plug Mandy's job, but Magnify Money has a great list. And what I looked for when I did my balance transfer was um, cards that were currently having, like you said, that there was no transfer fee because sometimes they'll have, like, I don't know, a promotion or whatever. So, Magnify Money was good at having that. Yeah, we have a we have a balance transfer tool where we track all the best offers. Um, also, you know, you do need to have pretty strong credit, like at least high six hundreds, maybe a seven hundred. Especially this this Barclay card offer, I know for a fact um, your score needs to be excellent, which is seven hundred or above. Um, and uh, it's yeah, it's a it's a great way to buy yourself some time. Um, and I would say first, I mean, you know, you're losing a job in five weeks back to, if we can get back to her question. Um, I, if you're not already, I, I mean, obviously the, the, one of the most obvious things to do is make sure you have another job lined up, uh, yeah. because she's, she also mentions, I mean, she has a mortgage that she's paying for. Um, and obviously she's going to want to pay off those student loan debt. I mean that not student loan credit card debt. So you need to replace yeah. that income. Um, I mean, on, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, you have five weeks head start which is something that a lot of people don't have when they get laid off. So you have a bit and a severance package. Um, 
So those are two leg, legs up that I feel like a lot of people may not have if they were to get laid off. So it's not the worst case scenario. There's You still have options and there's still a way for you to get out from this debt without digging yourself mm-hmm. even deeper. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. We're about ambition and we don't give it up. I don't, I have to come up with some win, better rap. <laughs> yeah. We're back with some wins this week. Um, I have a win. We did a report at Magnify Money that got so much. It was the first report that went semi-viral for Magnify Money, which is so exciting because I've always wanted to do this. Um, how many of you guys have friends who, as a couple, um, make six figures and have no idea, but they just feel like they're still broke. I mean, I I'm saw ra- that one. I'm raising my hand because I feel like there's a lot of people out there, um, whether you're earning six figures on your own and you live in a big city or you're a couple and you each, you know, collectively earn a hundred thousand dollars. I, at Magnify Money, we put out a report a couple weeks back, um, looking at, uh, 380 us metro areas to find out where you can earn six figures and still feel like you're broke. Um, why did we, (laughs) yikes. Yeah. Um, number one surprised me. The number one worst city to earn six figures as a household is Washington, DC, not New Mm. York city, not New York. Um, yeah, DC, two things about DC, one childcare on average, people spend $1,500 on childcare in DC, which is like a mortgage payment. Um, and one thing, you know, we got some, we got a lot of responses from parents, um, in the DC area and then other areas in our worst list too saying, well, this is, you know, this is just the average, but I pay way over $1,400 a month. And I know I I have friends in New York who spend close to $2,000 a month for one kid just to have childcare. And it's not even like, you know, all day long childcare. It's like get out, get out at four o'clock or something like that childcare. Um, so I, I, that's the one challenge you have when you do this kind of stuff because you have to look at averages, but, um, we totally understand that people are at even sometimes spending way, way more than this, but it just seemed like it struck a chord and I know I'm doing it as a win only because it was um, one of our most successful and cited. We had stories in CNBC, CNN money is going to do a story. We had a story. We had a huge story on business insider um, covering the report. And I just feel like, I feel like we touched a nerve in that a lot of people are in this situation. And I think it gave what I wanted is just to give people who were in this situation a little bit of like, okay, you're not alone and you're not crazy. Like it's not uncommon. Six figures isn't what it used to be. And yeah, it's sad, but you're not making it if you're earning six figures these days. You know what I mean? As, as a household, we looked at two people in a house, two adults earning a collectively a hundred thousand dollars, um, who also had a small kid. And that is just not enough in some places. Of course, yeah. the most affordable place is Tennessee. <laughs> Johnson City, wow. Tennessee. <laughs> well, Anyone in go. Johnson City? Yeah. <laughs> well, my win is for my city. I put on for my city. I put on for my city. So a friend of mine named Lauren Craig, a.k.a. In a Word Fab. That's like her social media name. She put out a book. Well, the book is coming out, but it's called A Hundred Things to Do in Newark Before You Die. You know how like those, there's so many books in like different cities, like A Hundred Things to Do in Paris Before You Die, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited for her because I thought, how genius, you know? 
Um, and so it's, uh, the hashtag is like a hundred things Newark, but I'm just really proud of it because, you know, Newark has gotten, you know, so much flack, like cities like Detroit and Compton and, and things like that. Like, but it's just nice to see that there's this like uptick. Um, and I'm excited to actually read the book to see like what makes it, especially if someone who's lived here for a number of years to see like what kind of like what Newark staples make it, um, you know, what new things actually I, I can actually find. Not even a hundred. I'm sorry. A thousand things. A thousand. No, I was like, no, no, it is a hundred. It is a hundred. So I'm like, wait, is there a thousand? <laughs> and so, <laughs> your, your, your love for Newark was just tested. <laughs> exactly. So, but what, I'm excited because she's going to actually have like a, like a big launch party um, on August 15th. Where can um, we get the book at? at? The, um, you can get the book on Amazon. So a hundred things. I think if you just type in a hundred things Newark, it should come up. But I'm just honestly, I'm just excited because I'm really excited really to dig in to see like what made the cut. And it's just nice to see someone collect good things about Newark versus like, you know, collecting all the things that are not right about Newark. I get it. Newark has its issues just like every other city, but it's just nice to know that there's some, you know, there's something that's all about positivity and the Newark museum, honestly, if you have not been, it is gorgeous. And she's having the, um, the release party there. So I'm excited because the Newark Museum is one of my favorite places. Well, by this time next week, I should be extra super chocolate because I'm headed to Jam Rock with Superman. So if you see me out there, leave me alone. I'm on vacation. Fun. Thank you. We're going to have, you know, some, I just cannot wait. I'm literally going to do nothing. Like literally nothing. And, I don't want to see just... any social media posting. I don't want to get an email from you. I don't want to, I mean, you're... are we doing the podcast well... next Monday though? Yeah, yeah, we will. I'll be, oh, okay. back. I'll be back. Okay. Yeah. But, but no, I, um, girl, I'm gonna do some social media posting, but like, you know, like toes in the water, like not anything, no, no budget needs to stuff. Just okay. wish you were here, but glad you're not. That's allowed. Social media <laughs> bragging is allowed. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right, BA listeners. It's been awesome as per usual. Um, if you have any questions, financial questions, or if you, you know, just want to hit us up about the um, fibroid stuff you can hit us up at the that's BA what we do podcast. financial questions or fibroids that is our specialty <laughs> superman is looking at me like why why it's like <laughs> they know more about your uterus than i do at this point i know he was like he just looked at me when i said fibroid stuff his head turned like are you kidding me <laughs> no i'm not kidding um yeah so um the ba podcast at gmail.com incorrect and Brandon Bishop uh, podcast. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a feeling. It, oh God, it's been like seven years and I still get it wrong. On that note, we love you and we'll see you next week. Just Google us, you know. You know how to find us. All right. Happy week. See you next week. <laughs>